Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome in to Whiskey and Wonder episode 23. Hello, 23. 23. We are MJ number of episodes. Wow. That's that's a good number. It is a good number. Uh, all right. So I'm Tyler. If you're on uh, YouTube, you can see. <laughs> Um, I'm Megan, and also if you're on YouTube, you can see. Uh, I just realized I completely forgot to change the, uh, email on the YouTube thing. It is no longer whiskeyandwonder at gmail.com. Oopsies. We We have a big boy email now. Yes, we do. We will touch on that in just a little bit. Yep. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into some announcements. All right. Um, What's going on this week? Basically the same thing as last week. Okay. So the Over. website is live. All right. Yeah. Whiskeyandwonder.com. Yeah. Um, we have stickers for sale. They are $3. You can order them on the website under our uh, shop page, I think is what it's called. Um, and that's through PayPal. We have whiskey tumblers uh, on the way. I have gotten proofs, and uh, they are being made as we speak, and should be here within, I would say, two weeks or so. Hopefully. Hopefully. So we're doing a pre-sale on those. Let us know if you'd like to get some. We're doing a, uh, if you want one glass, it'll be $8, two for 15 three for 20 and four for 25 Just shoot us an email. It's important that you email us, because we're trying to keep track of all this in a spreadsheet, who ordered what. And so, yes, and shipping costs and everything. Exactly. So Let please us please email us. Don't just text us and say you want it. We need an email from you, please. Please. And uh, you could actually get it to us on Instagram or, or social media as well. We'll take yeah. that. Yeah. Um, also, just include your address on there. We'll get back to you with the cost of shipping, uh, what it'll cost. And if you're local to us, to the Charlotte area, uh, we're happy to do a pickup service for you to save on shipping. Yep. Um, Patreon is live only for donations at the moment. You can go there and donate a buck a month. If you kind of like us, you can donate five bucks a month. If you really like us, cause you know, we're the bomb. We are. We're pretty cool. Megan makes noises sometimes like this. Yeehaw, yeehaw. So you're paying for that. Yep. <laughs> I fall into that trap every time. Uh, <laughs> the other, Announcement again, same as last week, and I'm not going to get too far into the details on it. The Amazon affiliate link is live on our website. Uh, it's under the sponsors page. Uh, basically, how this works is you click on that, it's going to take you to Amazon. Uh, you don't have to buy the item linked, it just takes you to the Amazon portal. Um, and then you just do your regular Amazon shopping, and we get a cut of your sale. It comes, it helps us out on the podcast. and. We appreciate it. There have been several people that have uh, helped out and, and used that. And yeah. So we just want to say thank you to everybody that has. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, it does not cost anything extra to you. So you're going to be shopping on Amazon anyway. So how about you send us uh, some of that that help? Absolutely. Help us. Unfortunately, it won't let me do it because I live here <laughs> where the podcast is based. So <laughs> it considers me family. 
Um, yeah. So help us. Help us. We're poor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always trying to trying to raise funds to help, you know, get new merchandise, you know, bring more content for you guys, bring forward, do interviews. Uh, that's something we really want to get into is doing some interviews with some local distilleries and whatnot. Yeah, but that definitely. takes different equipment than what we've got. And so, you know, got to have money to buy the equipment. Yep. So, um, you can find us, uh, everywhere you can find us is going to be in the show notes or it's on the screen. Like I said, we are no longer, uh, you, you can email us for now at whiskeyandwonder at gmail.com. Um, but soon that will be turning into, um, you can email us already at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Um, but soon the Gmail will be going away and you'll have to contact. You'll have to use the contact form on the website or contact at whiskeyandwonder.com if you want to email. And if you go on our bio page, we each have a direct email, one for me, one for Megan, that the other doesn't have access to. Yep. So you can talk shit about the other person and they won't know. Yep. So all all y'all that think I interrupt too much, y'all send all (laughs) that to me. Or Um, you can send it to me and I'll I'll never be the wiser. (laughs) Or you can send it to both of us. Yeah. Yell at them for it. Um, (laughs) I'm trying. You're getting a lot better. I'm proud of you. Um, You can find us on Instagram at whiskey podcast. I'm at whiskey dot Tyler. She's at whiskey dot Megan. I want to apologize. I have not been very active on Instagram lately. It's just been a rough week. It has been Um, a very stressful week all around. Yep. So um, Twitter, all that good stuff is up there on the screen and we'll be in the show notes. Same for PayPal, Facebook, Patreon. All the You get the gist. Yeah. All right. So on that note. Opening the bottle. All right. Today, we are having another um, scotch for, is this our second scotch? This is our second scotch. Okay, our first scotch um, was not fun. It was it was pretty rough, I'll be honest with you guys. <laughs> um, it was bad. That was the wolf, wolf burn. Yep. Um, so guys, what we, what we got coming to you today is actually from our Flaviar. We have gotten it in and we are starting those. This is... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all. Megan picked this out. I don't know if you can really see that on the camera there. I don't know if I can. It's a oh man, I can't get a good view where it's no glare. Megan, yep. Talk to us about it. <laughs> this is a single malt Scotch whiskey, um, distilled by Glenn Doolin. It is their limited edition Game of Thrones House Tully. Scotch. House Tully is um, the house with the fish symbol, um, family, duty, honor. It's where Catelyn originates. Yep, that's what I was about to say. Yep. Uh, We just pretend like the last season of Game of Thrones doesn't exist, and it's still a great um, show, and the books are fantastic. So uh, if George R. R. Martin can please get on finishing those, that would be wonderful. I have the set. I read about 100 pages of the first book and then never picked it back up again. Um, I think George R. R. Martin is going to die long before he uh, finishes those books. Rude. I calls him like I sees him. 
Wow. Well, I hope you're wrong. Um, wow. Mm. So Glenn Doolin is the distillery that brews this. Uh, they are based in Dufftown, Scotland. They say, quote, Rome was built on seven hills and Dufftown stands on seven stills. Constructed in 1897 and the seventh of the distilleries, Glyndulin sits on the bank of the River Doolin amongst the picturesque Conval Hills. Probably saying Conval wrong, not very Scottish of me. Master of Malts Keith Law draws on 36 years of experience to blend the two, two whiskeys into the Singleton Glyndulin. And yeah, so it's it's a true scotch but it's game of thrones affide so i'm kind of excited to see what happens there if anybody wants any more information on scotch whiskey or what single malt means exactly you can find that on our website uh on the whiskey page if you click on the whiskey tab not the whiskeys we've tried or the whiskeys that we want to try if you just click on the whiskey page uh there's a little blurb about the major types of whiskeys, and then there's also the difference between uh, blended versus single malt whiskeys. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Uh, I'm sure it's on one of our lists to do a uh, episode on... Oh, I'm sorry. I am seeing Megan's face. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see it because the microphone kind of covered it up there, but it was more like a <laughs> face. So uh, I might have Got a little bit too excited when swirling my whiskey, and it might. <laughs> oh, you pulled at me, huh? <laughs> it might have exploded a little bit. Uh, so, um, um, oh, it's on my phone. <laughs> but yeah, if if you guys want, I'm sure one of us is going to do uh, an episode on how whiskey's made and some some of the subtle differences. Maybe that'll be a special we do at some point. But for now, if you want some more information, you could definitely check out uh, the website. I've got blurbs up there, and I I'm just telling you guys, you can't see it on camera, but I'm swirling this just about. A foot below the microphone, and I am you can smelling smell it. it. Yeah, it's strong. It's 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 odorous. It's not. I don't want to say it's strong. It's just odorous, and it smells. Just from here, it smells good. It does smell good. Um, hopefully, you are smelling. All right, guys. Oh, sorry. The dogs are. Navia is. She does this thing called butt dancing, and she's doing it in a room full of guitars and at the moment, electronics and stuff that. She can't knock over. So sorry. Uh, wow, we're like back to the first few episodes. I know. Where you Navia know, was a disaster, and Bo was a disaster, and you know why? Because Bo's in this room. Bo's and in not the room. Up. Yep. So if you want to tell the people real quick, I'm gonna go put my dog in the other room. Sad. We tried, Navia. You ruined it. Uh so uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Sorry, we might have to erase this and do it again. <laughs> so I'm dying watching this happen. Um, my dog is just acts like her heart has been broken and his dog acts like his heart has been broken. And it's like he just separated two star-crossed lovers and it was hysterical. Um, so it kind of broke all my focus on scotch. Uh, Bo just went boneless on me. I grabbed his <laughs> collar and that's what happens when he's in trouble. Sorry, I'm going to try to get this camera to focus here. 
Uh, and so he just like went boneless on me, like, uh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> now the camera won't focus on me. Hey, all right. Um, oh, sorry about all that, guys. That's too much work for me to go in and delete, the, erase all that. So, I mean, enjoy. You get, you get to listen to Megan's narration. <laughs> I hope this camera focuses in on me. It doesn't look that, it's not it, unfocused. It, it's definitely unfocused compared to yours. Oh, well. That's all right. Um, this smells really good. So, it smells fruity. Uh, I can't pinpoint the fruit, but it smells fruity. I'm getting a citrus type fruit, maybe orange, um, orange or tangerine, something in that family. Tangelo? Tangelo. Is that a citrus? I would assume so, because it's like a hybrid, isn't it? I don't know. What's the a tangerine and what? Is it a mango? Oh, maybe, maybe it is a mango. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't expected to be put on the spot like that. Um, Sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm, I know I'm looking stupid in the camera. I'm, I'm really trying to get it focused for you guys. I don't know how, why it's not focusing, but anyway. I'll stop and y'all can just deal with the slightly blurry picture. It's very sweet. It's sweet and fruity, um, but tropical fruity. Like I get hints of vanilla. I don't think it's, I don't really get, I don't, um, it's hard for me to say. I, I don't want to call that tropical. I don't get like coconut and pineapple. Oh, did I, I meant citrus, not tropical. Okay. Sorry. I said, um, uh, citrusy. Mm, I I can't put my finger on that fruit, but it, I want to say it's almost like a mixed berry kind of smell is what I'm getting. Um, I did get a whiff of vanilla in there as well. So I got a sweetness. I don't know if it was vanilla, um, but I definitely got some sort of sweet, some sort of candy, um, but I can't say for sure it was vanilla. I don't I don't think it was. All right. What are we supposed to be smelling? We are supposed to be smelling overripe fruit. Okay, overripe, whatever. Malt, toffee, powdered sugar, and marshmallows. Hmm. Flaviar uh says that we are going to be smelling orange peel, spicy fruit, sweetness. So, I mean, yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, I don't know why it says overripe fruit. It was an overripe fruit, like starting to go bad. And that it's like on the verge of going bad. I don't know what exactly overripe fruit supposed to mean. And it's interesting that it's vague on... It did mention just a smidge of citrus, like orange peel, mm -hmm. but it didn't specify any other fruit, did it? It said overripe, overripe spicy fruit. Fruit. And then there was like a picture on Flaviar of a banana um, and a pineapple and a lime and a lemon and some orange circles that could be literally any orange circle fruit on the planet. Let me see that. 
So. That looks like a pomegranate and a. Uh, that is not a pomegranate. I don't know what a pomegranate looks like. Though. Pomegranate is red and it has like a little crown, a little bitty crown on it. Oh, that was. I'm sorry. I was looking at the red one. Yeah, I don't know what that little. Maybe apple? Maybe like a. Uh, hell, I don't know the different <laughs> types of apples. All right, guys. I, I know I look busy over here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment. I apologize if this screws with the video for a second, but I'm gonna try to adjust this manually. I mean, we're a podcast first and foremost, so yeah, that's well, true. So you can hear us. It looks like it's not messing with it, so I'm gonna try to camera control focus. All right. So again, I oh, I'm Lord. trying to smell any peatiness which i know is supposed to be one of like the characteristics of scotch is it's supposed to be very peaty um but i'm not smelling any peatiness so i'm hoping that maybe it won't taste that way um, yeah i get no peatiness um yeah. something uh, and i hate to keep going back to this but uh on the website when i did the little blurb page i learned a lot about how they make the different types of whiskeys and whatnot and that is one of uh, scotches. Sometimes they're uh, cooked over peat or roasted with peat smoke, and it'll give it that kind of smoky. Uh, I I hesitate to use the word ashtray flavor, <laughs> but uh, kind of ash ashtray y. You know. Um, I really like the finish, the aftertaste of this. Um, it's, it's a, like a, the aftertaste hits you hard, like on my tongue at first with the liquid, it's kind of mild. It's sweet. Maybe there's a little bit of like fruit. Um, there's the burn of typical alcohol. Then I swallow it. And like two seconds after I swallow it, like my mouth gets full of like char, like charcoal and wood and smoke and that. You got that after you swallowed it? After I swallowed it. I got that as the mid-notes. Really? Yeah. Um, I didn't really taste much of the top notes. The You know, as soon as it hit my tongue, I got the char, the... Uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to call it peat, but char, burnt. Uh, not nearly as strong as the wolf burn. No, um, God, no. Sorry, wolf burn. Yeah, sorry, wolf burn. But um, it was noticeable enjoyable um and then it was a long spicy burn that i mean it's still burning i took one sip probably 20 25 seconds ago and i can still feel it in my esophagus going down burning so um as far as taste i didn't really get too much else i mean i'm gonna try it again obviously okay I tried it again while you were talking, and I still am getting, like, the char and smoke and stuff as the ending, the finish. I'm not getting it in the mid. I get a fruity finish. That's the that's the flavor that lingers in my throat is the fruit. And at the beginning, I do get, like, a toffee sweet flavor right on the tip of my tongue. So we're getting the same start. Yep. And we're the, switching our mid and our... Yeah. Finish. I don't know how that happens, but one of us is weird, or maybe or we're both, both weird. of us. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, watch, watch us not even supposed to taste char. <laughs> Let our freak <laughs> flag fly. Yeah, 
I'm so impressed that I said that right without getting tongue-tied. I'm going to say that right now. I had to think really hard. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it's better you than me because I would have definitely messed it up. I cannot get char in the middle. I keep trying to take, taste it different ways, and I, it's always at the end for me. Um, I don't have a lot of scotches to compare this to. Sorry, Wolfburn. Um, so as far as scotches go that I've tasted, this is great. I love it. As far as whiskeys go, we'll see at the end. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, no, I mean, I'm getting a... When you say the end, where are you talking about? Because I'm talking about now. Like you saw the last time I took a sip. I'm yeah. tasting fruit now. I'm talking about that as the end. I'm yes, that's also what I'm talking about. Is the end. Yeah. And right now I taste smoke and char. Oh no. Wood. I, I get char like right as it goes down the back of my throat. Negative, Ghost Rider. Mm. Yeah, all right. Just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. Yep. Nope. Right now I taste char on my tongue. And I even took a little sip of sweet tea in the middle there just to try and distinguish it, you know, change my palate up for a minute, see if it changed anything and nope, nothing. Sweet tea is gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me find my schedule here. All right. So it oh, is. Well, hold on, hold on. Should I tell oh, us what I, we're supposed to be tasting? Yeah, sorry. I was about to skip right on ahead. <laughs> uh, we're supposed to be tasting caramel, malt, overripe fruit. There's that word again. Powdered sugar, vanilla, and bits of banana custard with smoky char. Not getting any banana at all. Um, okay, well, all right. <laughs> I can... This is going to sound terrible. Disgusting. Sorry. I just burped. And I got a little... If I really thought about it now that you said it, banana. <laughs> you burped but and got banana. <laughs> I don't... I would never have picked that out. Um, The finish is warm and powerful dry finish with a lovely perfumed aftertaste which is what Flaviar says I just let it sit on my tongue for a minute and it was very I very sweet I could definitely taste powdered sugar you know so and it it was basically powdered sugar and char yeah but again it's not the wolfburn level of char where it's you know, drinking Marlboro red water. <laughs> Sorry, Wolfburn. Um, hey, they sell it. They do. We're never going to get sponsored by them ever. That's okay. I don't want to. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> it was pretty gross. Cool name. Yeah. Um, I let it sit on my tongue and I get it sitting there. It's definitely sweet. Mm -hmm. Caramel, sugar, um, I get the like whiskey burn, but I don't get the smoke and the char until I swallow. Mm. I don't know. That's very interesting. It is. I don't know. All right. Well, on that note, now it's time. If I can find the right button. <laughs> It's time for the Wonder Segment. All right. So last week we got some new drops. Uh, we had we ended up having an issue with one 
that one in particular. So uh, we had to switch it. And sounds different. So that's why. That's why it sounds different. Um, so it is my turn to get deep into a topic this week, or it was my turn, and I couldn't settle on a topic this week, honestly. Oh, okay. I, I bounced back and forth between, I had one I wanted to do, um, I had one that's been suggested, uh, actually two that had been suggested, and one seemed like one hell of a bear to do on a rough week, and the other one seemed like it was, uh, the one that I found myself was seemed like it was going to be way too short and so uh i ended up kind of stumbling into this one just i don't know i i backed ass first into it i guess <laughs> <laughs> i just stumbled in and having to see a little blurb about this event and was like oh yeah okay cool that'd be something cool to do so all right well what are you teaching us about today i'm going out towards your neck of the woods. Oh. Not quite there, but close. Okay. And I'm going to teach y'all about the Dust Bowl. Oh, all right. So, that sounded so fake. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no interest in this at all. No, it's a I... bunch of dirt flying around. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I remember my grandma who lived in Nebraska telling me Ooh. about living through the Dust Bowl. So... I'm interested to hear what you had to say. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do that towards the end. Maybe yeah, we can pass definitely. Along. All right. So the Dust Bowl actually refers to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, actually refers. It was referring to the area impacted, not the actual name of this event, um, but it's come to be known as the massive dust storms that plagued the Great Plains of the U.S. during the 1930s. Uh, these storms ranged from Texas to Canada. I almost said Texas to California. Oh, <laughs> Other I, way. I can't read. Uh, yeah, they ranged from Texas to Canada, and uh, these massive, massive storms killed livestock, people, destroyed entire crop harvests, and most of all, intensified the crushing effects of the Great Depression. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I think, I don't know if anybody else had to do this, but I remember, I think we were supposed to read, and we definitely watched the movie, The Grapes of Wrath, in uh, one of my history classes in high school, and it, That was so long ago, I don't, I don't remember anything from uh, high school. Anybody that doesn't know The Grapes of Wrath is written by John Steinbeck, and it's one of several art and literary pieces that describe the struggle that these massive dust storms created, and it's a great... Great uh, film. I don't really remember the book. Like I said, I don't think I read it. But I was a bad kid. I was a bad student, at least. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how this happened. Um, there were several, several factors that played into this, and it kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, created the perfect storm to create these massive I see dust what clouds. you did there. <laughs> Clever. Um, so starting, we're going to go... We're going to get in the Wayback Machine, but we only need half a tank to get there. Okay. So we're going way back to 1862. Okay. The U.S. government passed the Homestead Act, which provided settlers 160 acres of public land for the cost of a small filing fee. I believe this land had to be west of the Mississippi. Um, this is one thing that I found very interesting 
uh, from the get-go is that Southern Democrats had been stopping previous homesteading proposals in Congress because they believed that it would draw European immigrants into the country and draw poor Southerners to the West. However, again, 1862, uh, they've seceded and the Civil War is raging and they've left the U.S. Congress. So the Homesteading Act was passed and Manifest Destiny was now passed into the hands of every single Joe Schmo. Um, anybody that was over 21 or who had or who was the head of their household if they were younger than 21 was eligible for land provided they had never taken up arms against the U.S. This included women, slaves, you name it. If you were over 21 really? and hadn't fought against the United States... Come Women on. and slaves yeah. were included. Yeah. Really? Yep. Did not know that. Yep. Um, so we're going to fast forward now to 1904 uh, when the Kin- Kincaid Act was passed, which essentially recognized that in the Sand Hills of Nebraska, which I don't know if that's where your grandmother was from. That's kind of like northwestern Nebraska. I don't know. Okay. Email us, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, in the Sand Hills of Nebraska, mo- it recognized that more than 160 acres was necessary to support a family. And so it increased the total acres per homesteader to up to 640. Um, and finally, we're going to skip on to 1909. And this is probably the most impactful to the actual Dust Bowl. Uh, the Enlarged Homestead Act was passed which increased the size of a homestead to 320 acres in areas that were less optimal for homesteading due to poor, poor irrigation. <laughs> due to poor irrigation. Essentially, all the good plots had been taken by the early birds, and this was passed in order to entice people to move to some of the shitty areas and farm them. So, that covers most of the political causes. So, let's talk a little bit about the climate, and then we'll touch on the one final political cause a little bit later. Okay. So. What's going on with that climate? All right. So, geographically, and I'm sure you can relate to this being from Colorado, you probably know more about this climate and this, this area than I do. Uh, geographically, the main areas that were affected by the Dust Bowl are located on what's called the High Plains, which is generally the western portion of the Great Plains near the Rocky Mountains. Yep. Uh, fun fact, this was previously called the Great American Desert. Makes sense. I've been there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that is accurate. Yeah. Super accurate. I, side note here, I started looking on Google Earth at the satellite image and it's amazing how if you zoom out to the entire continental united states you can see essentially a line running down the middle of the great plains where the right side is green the left side is like orangey brown yep (laughs) it's it's weird I, i never noticed it until doing this i always thought that when i saw pictures of stuff like that it was like in 
Arizona and New Mexico. I didn't nope. realize. I did not realize it expanded. Oh no, that's the Colorado Plains. That's Kansas. That's Nebraska. Um, lots and lots and lots of just flat nothingness. That makes me less eager to drive across the country. I uh, thought it was all like Great Plains. Nope. Nope. I oh, okay. I will never drive through Kansas again. So when we do end up doing a road trip to Colorado, um, we're going to avoid Kansas because that was the worst seven hours of my life. I will never do that again. Ever, never, ever. Sorry if you live in Kansas, but oh my God. It's all no. right. I'm going to come. I'm going to drive, drive through there. I want to, my goal, my bucket list is to go to every state and get a magnet and of that state and put it on my fridge. Um, that has officially become a bucket list item. And the sad thing is I don't have any magnets of any states and I've been to <laughs> at least like six or seven. So got to um, start all over from scratch. I can just buy one Amazon for the ones I've been to. I'll cheat on that one. That's cheating. Sorry. I'm, I, <laughs> okay. I'm, I don't even know where I could get one of those in North Carolina. Uh, like, most gas stations. and Really? Yeah. I'll have to look harder at gas stations then. Anyway, uh, so like I said, it was called the Great American Desert. Uh, the typical climate in these areas is semi-arid, meaning that on average it receives between 10 and 20 inches of rain per year. That seems high. That's interesting that you say that, and I want to come back to that. Okay. Let me write that down. Well, do you have something to write that down? No, okay. I don't. Uh, rainfall high. Sorry, guys. I can't multitask to save my life. It's okay, um, neither can I. Uh, despite this annual average, um, the areas tend to fluctuate between periods of wet years where there's more rain and periods of dry years where there's less rain. This results in bountiful crops and, as you would imagine, very limited crops. The area is also prone to high winds. Mm-hmm. You see where we're going here? Uh, when we look back at the Roaring Twenties, we tend to think of, you know, the economy growing, new technologies emerging, lavish lifestyle, and just like new forms of entertainment like jazz and cinema and whatnot. For flapper me, dresses. What? Flapper dresses. What's a flapper dress? They're the like the really swishy dresses of the um, Roaring Twenties. They're adorable. Okay. Um, sorry, guys. I'm fighting with my microphone because there's a dog hair that's like tickling my nose every time I talk. Um, <laughs> everybody watching me on YouTube is like, well, what is he doing? Um, so for me personally, when I think of the Roaring Twenties, I tend to picture uh, Babe Ruth in his prime and, you know, the 20s Yankees. Um, just for whatever reason, that's what I've associated it with in my mind. Um, but I really don't think of the Great Plains at all. When I think of the Roaring Twenties, yeah. Um, like I said, most it mostly is just just Eastern cities and whatnot. But the Twenties actually roared on the plains as well. Um, so one of the main causes of the Dust Bowl uh, can be traced back to political unrest completely on the other side of the planet. So this is some butterfly effect stuff. A little bit. During the 1910s, teen, 1910s, I knew I was going to do that. During the 19-teens and 20s, 
the price of wheat rose dramatically. So let's take a look. If you've been around since the Bitcoin episode, you remember. Let's take a look at our old friends, supply and demand. Supply, demand. There's an arrow. It's going to be backwards. Arrow from on the screen, it would be right to left, but for me, it's left to right. So, uh, the Russian Revolution reduced the supply of wheat in the world, while at the same time, World War World War Two, uh, one. I'm sorry, increased the demand, resulting in American farmers trying to plant and grow as much wheat as possible to make as much money as possible. Makes sense. A good example of this is the total amount of farmland in Texas doubled between 1900 and 1920. Doubled. Yeah. So everybody was moving to Texas to try and farm. And it's 1920. So all the good places have been got. Um, earlier, I mentioned that uh, the 1920s saw new technologies emerging, and uh, several of those were related to farming. Uh, the combine harvester became popular for farmers during that time, along with gasoline tractors. Uh, just for reference, a farmer with a tractor could plow an acre of land three to six times faster, depending on the horsepower of the tractor, than a plow pulled by five horses. That's some efficiency. So yeah, that's that's nice. Yeah, I can only imagine what it did for the poor farmers that didn't have tractors. When your neighbor got a tractor and just it took them out. You out there like shaking your fist at them, trying to sabotage the tractor. Yeah, pour sugar in the gasoline thing. You wonder. I wonder if they knew about that back then. I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, in addition to these new technologies, the 1920s were a period of unusual wetness that I mentioned earlier. Remember I said sometimes it was super wet, sometimes it's super dry? Yep. Well, it was super wet in the 20s. Everything was good. Mother Nature was like, yeah. <laughs> At the time, uh, and oh man, this one gets me. At the time, there was a common belief relating farming and weather. Quote, Rain follows the plow, end quote. This was an actual theory. It was thought that, the, that human habitation and growing agriculture would permanently change the climate of arid and semi-arid places. If you think this is ridiculous, it's because it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a few reasons given from that time period as to why this theory was true. Yeah. Plowing the soil released trapped moisture. Smoke from trains increased rainfall. <laughs> Newly planted trees and shrubs increased rainfall. And my personal favorite, the increased vibrations in the air due to human activity created more clouds and therefore more rain. To the point where this last one led to the widespread process of, quote, dynamiting the air. <laughs> how can that go wrong if you think back to the san francisco fire of 1906 oh no okay yeah. um and the wow cra the craziest part of all this is this is not just like old wives tales and like this is what scientists knowledge. were saying scientists genuinely believe this oh well i do you do you know when they stopped believing this uh yeah 
you know, after the Dust Bowl. <laughs> I mean, all right. That's true. I walked into that. All right. Um, during the lush 1920s, farmers of the High Plains had grown very accustomed to this uncommon amount of rainfall for their crops and had plowed it up and driven out the native deep-rooted grasses. Um, their failure to use proper dry farming methods combined with the other factors that I've mentioned earlier set up the stage perfectly for what would become known as the Dust Bowl. So, let's get into the actual... Well, I don't want to call it an event, but... It's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. The actual thing. Technical. So, the term Dust Bowl was actually coined by a gentleman named Edward Stanley, who was the Kansas City news editor of the Associated Press, um, he coined this term while rewriting a news story written by Robert E. Uh, I think it's pronounced Geiger, but it's spelled Geiger, G-E-I-G-E-R. Geiger. Uh, yeah, I think it's Geiger. Who, uh, and Geiger was in Boise City, Oklahoma on Black Sunday. We'll talk a little bit more about Black Sunday in a bit, but I'm sure you can probably guess what it means. The term actually originally referred to the area. As I said earlier, not so much the event, but it has grown to reference this entire event. So, during the 1930s, Americans just got shat on, pretty much. The economy crashed, times were tough, and then Mother Nature said, uh, things aren't bad enough for you people in the high plains, let me fuck your shit up a little more. <laughs> Oh, oh, you think it can't get worse? It is. It's, it's going to get worse. worse. Uh, a period of dryness swept across the high plains beginning in 1930, resulting in droughts in several of the driest years dating back to the 1890s. In fact, no above normal rainfall would occur until 1941 in that area. So that's about uh, 11 years by my math. Um. Once the drought hit, the topsoil quickly died, or died. It was never alive. It's rocks, broken down <laughs> rocks. You're a geologist. I know. Once the drought hit, the topsoil quickly dried and turned into a fine powder. This, combined with the no deep-rooted grasses, uh, which provided structure for the topsoil, add in the high winds that I mentioned earlier, and we have dust. lift off. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of dust. Um, Starting in 1931, dust storms began covering parts of the high plains with powdery dust, eroding much of the farmland. On May 9th, 1934, a strong storm in South Dakota, which lasted for two whole days, blew dust all over the entire country. Well, the eastern half, anyway. Dust from this particular storm was seen in Chicago, New York City, Cleveland, Boston, and Washington, D.C. It's also recorded that during the winter of 1934 and 35, so, you know, the one that occurs that December and January, uh, red snow fell in the northeast, a product of dust being in the atmosphere. Red snow, don't eat that. It's better than eating the yellow snow. 
Or the brown snow. Don't eat. I've never any seen snow. brown snow. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. You clearly have never lived in a place where it snowed a lot, and mm. you had to drive on the road, and the snow up on the sides. It turned like black. Oh yeah, I've seen it black, but I'm talking like shit snow. Oh well. <laughs> um, on April fourteenth, nineteen thirty-five, Black Sunday occurred. On this day, twenty of the worst dust storms swept over the plains, turning the daytime into nighttime. These storms stretched from Canada to Texas and caused extensive damage. What year was this? I'm sorry. 1935, April 14th. Okay. Um, years and years later, after much data analysis, scientists were able to pinpoint what they think is the cause of the uh, drought that occurred in the 1930s. Um, it was determined to be oceanic temperature anomalies. According to data, the Pacific Ocean was a few tenths of a degree cooler than normal, while the Atlantic was a few tenths of a degree warmer than normal. Scientists tend to believe the Pacific was the more direct influence to the drought in the 30s. And that just goes to show how sensitive all the systems are in this planet. All the atmosphere, hydrosphere, they're all related. We screw one up, we're screwing them all up. The biosphere is the first one to suffer, and that's us people. Um, if you want an example of how the sea can, or the sea, the oceans, changing temperature can affect weather patterns, look up El Nino and La Nina because those are very well proven. It's when the temperature of the uh, Pacific Ocean off the coast of Chile changes. One's when it gets hotter and one's when it gets colder. And it causes different weather, weather patterns across the world. Like it can make, uh, it's been known to cause droughts, extreme droughts in Africa on the other side of the world because it messes with the interaction between the atmosphere and the, and the oceans and the effects are felt hundreds of thousands of miles away. That's amazing. A butterfly flaps its wings and causes a tsunami across the world. Yep. That's Yep, and it works, as I said earlier, with political stuff. It's the same effect. Butterfly uh, The butterfly effect is real, people. Don't step on butterflies. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about some of the after effects. So... As I mentioned earlier, Americans were already struggling due to the Great Depression, and suddenly more than 500,000 Americans were left homeless, homeless, either from dust damage uh, or bank foreclosures, and this resulted in a mass exodus from the plains. Bye-bye. Uh, and this is kind of what you get in The Grapes of Wrath. It's their journey. Spoiler alert. It's their journey out of the plains to California. The areas that were hit the hardest during the Dust Bowl were the panhandles of Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, these areas were... Uh, I don't even know what word. It says desiccated. I, I don't even know <laughs> what word I was trying to type. Uh, desecrated is what I was trying to type, I believe. These areas were so desecrated that the terms Oki and Texi 
came to be standard slang for anyone who had lost everything and was struggling the most during the Depression. That's not nice. You ever heard the song Okie from Muskogee? Nope. All right. Well, that's a, uh, I believe it's Merle Haggard song from way back in like the 70s or 80s. Your music on movies. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> true. Uh, Okies tended to migrate west looking for work, many of them settling in California. Uh, for instance, in one year, California saw more than 86,000 people migrate there, which, for reference, is larger than the number of people who migrated there in the 1849 gold rush. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and they weren't met with a warm welcome either. California residents were fearful and overwhelmed by the amount of people showing up, and they didn't have the means to accommodate them, which resulted in police setting up roadblocks to prevent further migration, as well as cases of organized fire outbreaks <laughs> in immigrant camps. Uh-huh. Oops. Fire. I accidentally had a fire get out of control over there on those people that have nothing stuff. Yeah. With oh, gasoline. This, this is this, gas can? No, that's, that's theirs. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's theirs. No, don't worry about the gas can. Don't look at it. Um, If you want to get a good description, like I said, I would, uh, Grapes of Wrath does a great job of covering what life was like to be, what life for an Ogie was like. That was, I got my words all jacked up there. Um, it's actually estimated that around an eighth of California's current population can trace its heritage back to Okies. Um, many people stayed once the Dust Bowl was over. Some did return back to where, back to Oklahoma and where they came from on the plains, but many did stay in California. I mean, um, I don't think I would, I would go back. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I tend to be. I I just find it interesting that California is where everybody went. Um, there might be still gold in them there hills. If memory serves, it was just that there they heard there was work picking fruit in California. Um, I and I tend to be, uh, zig when everybody else zags type of person. So I feel like I would have gone east. <laughs> Everybody's going west while I'm going east. See y'all. Good luck. Um, I got one other note here on migrants. Um, in 1939, an occupational survey done by the Bureau of Agriculture Economics uh, learned that only 43% of the people who had migrated to California had been doing farm work immediately prior to moving. And approximately one-third of the migrants were actually white-collar workers who had been forced into leaving their, ta their towns due to poor economy. Many teachers, lawyers, and small business owners were amongst those displaced since all the farming folk were leaving. The towns were dying. The little guy supports a lot. Exactly. Um... Some farmers were actually lucky enough to escape the wrath of the dust killing their crops, but kind of like I said earlier, Mother Nature was PMSing pretty friggin' hard, and she sent That's in swarms. That's sexist 
AF. <laughs> well, she's sending swarms of grasshoppers. I, I don't know a guy that PMSs, so <laughs> Mother Nature. Anyway, she sent swarms of grasshoppers to consume all the Ow. crops that were left. Um, since the crops weren't plentiful, these grasshoppers had a limited food source and were destroying the only crops they could find. And to prevent the spread of these grasshoppers, the government began burning all infested fields. So you lost it to the grasshoppers, the dust, or the government. <laughs> Can anyone keep their land and their crops? Uh, pretty much no. Okay, well. Not that I found, at least. Um, in addition to burning grasshopper fields, FDR established the Soil Conservation Service which taught farmers better techniques for growing crops while conserving the soil as well. The government also purchased several millions of acres of farmland to convert them back into grasslands to try and help retain the, so the soil and prevent future dust bowls. Uh, however, there were some smaller dust storms that occurred in the 1950s that I did not look too much into, but I did see that while I was doing research. Um... Some areas lost more than 75% of all its topsoil. Uh, but the land degradation varied greatly from place to place. Some places saw a lot. Some places didn't see nearly as much. You know, like I said earlier, Panhandle of Texas, Oklahoma saw the worst of it. Um, these places that saw the most erosion saw property values plummet and population declines as a result. Makes sense. Uh, farmers of the area were reluctant to switch from wheat and corn, which is what the government was telling them. Uh, you got to switch away from these things, and better crops are like hay and raising animals in these areas. Um, part of the reluctance to switch was ignorance of the benefits of changing, quite frankly, um, and what it did for the land. Uh, but the other part is that there just wasn't that much profit to be made, and it was harder to get the credit that was needed to shift from wheat to raising cattle or uh, hay. Hmm. Um, all in all, the Dust Bowl was one of the worst man-made disasters that, that America has suffered. Uh, it's believed that 100 million acres of land were affected and from 1930 and 1940, between 2.5 and 3.5 million people left the plains. During the first year alone, 6,500 people died from dust-related illnesses, and who knows how many others died in the years that followed from dust in their lungs and all sorts of other stuff. All that on top of a Great Depression that was ravishing the nation. And that is the story of the dirty thirties. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I didn't realize that the Dust Bowl was man-made. That was not something I was really aware of. So that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. Um, I have one more thing. I forgot to put this in my notes, but I have, I've watched this before. Um, I'm a sucker for a Ken Burns documentary. Um, you should remember that we did the baseball. He did the baseball documentary. That's really good. Mm -hmm. They're very, very long, but they're very informative, very well done. 
and there's one on the Dust Bowl. I believe last I saw it is on Amazon Prime Video if you have that. Well worth watching. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a man-made disaster. Yeah. Really, I mean, yep. Got to call it what it is. It was tragedy. So let's talk about your grandma. I want to hear what she had to say about it. So she told me this when I was a kid, um, and I have a lot of black spots in my memory, and I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember sitting in her kitchen. Um, and we were sitting by the window and she was showing me how tall the dust got on the windowsill where she grew up when she was a kid. Was it the same house she grew up in? No, no, no. Colorado versus Nebraska. Oh, okay. So I remember her like saying she could stick her entire finger all the way down in the dust. In the windowsill? In the windowsill. Like it was... Is this Chunk. dust inside the house or outside? Because inside. it did get inside the house. Yeah. Inside. Wow. Yeah. Um yeah. I don't I don't remember how her family handled it, or I guess how my family handled it. I don't know if they left. I I honestly don't know. I don't know that about my family history, so that's maybe, something I should probably find out. Maybe that's how they got to Colorado. It could be. I don't know. Um, yeah, that would be, I mean, I think that'd be awesome to know. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to find out because that's, that's interesting. I never. There are pictures, you, you just Google Dust Bowl and you'll see tons of pictures and I can't tell if that was just the style of house or if that much dust has been deposited, but it's like the roof is three or four feet from the ground. You know, so I, I don't know if they just kind of built the houses kind of down into the ground so they didn't have to use that much timber. They probably built the houses down into the ground so they'd be safer from tornadoes. Oh, I didn't think about that either. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I would what I would assume anyway. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the area and the time and the history of that region. But yeah, I couldn't tell if the houses were down or if it was just that much dust. But there are some intense pictures uh, on Google. So I definitely recommend checking those out. But the Dust Bowl. All oh. right. The Dust Bowl has been covered. Ah, I tricked you there. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> she thought I was going to say something else. Trivia with Tyler. All right. What Tyler nugget do you have for us today? Um, oh, this was a good one. This one made me chuckle. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I actually found two this week. Okay, I was it's gonna, another double I, Tyler nugget? I was going to save one, but I could do a double. They're not related at all, but... So first... We'll we'll do a we'll do a happy and then we'll do a sad Tyler Nugget. Oh, this stupid thing! Why don't we do sad first and then happy? Okay, we can do it that way. Too. Do it that way. End on a good note. We can do it that way. Uh, do it that way. Let me adjust this damn thing here. I don't know what this damn thing is, but you're adjusting it. Damn camera, defocused again. 
All right. Um, so the happy one first, right? That's what we're doing. No, 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 no. Sad, sad first. first. Sad first, happy last. Okay. End on good note. Uh, although all official records state that 343 firefighters died on 9-11, there was a 344th, Keith Roma, who saved 200 people by climbing Tower 1 four times. He was a New York fire patrol, so the New York Fire Department don't list him on the list of dead, even though they promised they would. Wow. Shame on you guys. Dang, New York City. You need to fix yourself. Shame. Mm. So, that was the sad oh, one. That's sad. Thank you for not ending on that one. Okay. I want the happy one. Uh, in 1795, a French cavalry captured a Dutch warship fleet trapped in ice. This is the only time in history that men on horseback captured a fleet of ships. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I like that one. <laughs> All right. All right. So next up, let's hear what you guys had to say. You want to do that? Sure. Where's my button? <laughs> time oh do you want me to read them or do you have them uh you go ahead and read one and i'll read one all right this one comes from friend megan's mom leona <laughs> hello tyler and megan i laughed throughout this episode i couldn't believe tyler thought seven up was gone <laughs> i still haven't seen it but i haven't you haven't looked um, I'm going to have to bring you seven up next Sunday. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll make sure to look tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I love octopuses ever since Megan turned me on to Cy Montgomery. Yep. Her audiobooks are a great listen. Sorry. You didn't care for the wild Turkey. I actually shoot it and like to have a Coke chaser. If I want to sip whiskey, I drink Jameson's until your podcast anyway. To be honest, I fell in love with Patron and stopped whiskey for quite a while until your podcast. Uh, I do love the American Prairie bourbon you turned us on to, and we'll have to buy some Templeton rye. Your episode about it reminded me of a rye I had from Vale that was the smoothest I have ever drank. Wish I could remember the name of it. Hope you're well. Thanks for entertaining us. I will continue sending more emails. Have a great week. Love from Mama Leona. <laughs> oh, that was adorable. Oh yeah. Um Thank you so much for that email. That was so cute. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, friend mom, friend Leona. Um if anyone is from Vale or frequents Vale and you know the rye she's talking about, reach out to us. Uh email us at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Um because I would like to try a really smooth rye, especially one that's from my my home home base, I guess. Is that from Colorado? Yeah, Vale. Vale oh, is like I didn't know that. Vale is the rich people's ski town. Oh, well. That's like the ritzy ritz. Oh. Um, as I recall, didn't didn't you take the rye home with you? Didn't yeah. you like it? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, okay. I've drank some of it. 
All of it? No, not all of it. Not yet. Most of it? Ah! Oh, okay. <laughs> no judgment here. I mean, I drank, I drank some of it. It's really good, and it's really, it's a nice whiskey to sip on. Quite. Oh, all right. Sorry, I just smacked my lips into the microphone, guys. Sorry. All right, so our next email <laughs> comes from my dad. Dad Cross, Friend Cross, whatever. Friend Dad Cross. Friend Dad Cross. He says, Meg, your grandma Audrey and grandpa Jerry used to drink CC, which is, oh God, Canadian something. We talked about it last week. Canadian. I don't remember. Shit. Well, they used to drink CC and water all the time when I was young. I look forward to the energy cost slash electric car story, as well as the DIA one. P.S. I have nothing embarrassing about Megan to share. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure you could think of embarrassing things, but. Um, they might incriminate you as well. <laughs> I'm trying to find the CC. It's Canadian Club, Canadian... Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Canadian Club, I think. Is that the right word? I think that's what it was. I'm trying to trying to look back here. Uh, I've got so many emails. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm almost positive it was Canadian yeah, Club. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, we'll take a shot in the dark there. Say it's Canadian Club. I see the one about a finger. How much to measure a finger? <laughs> um, Canadian we, Club. Found it. Yep. Yeah, a Canadian Club, right? Yeah, a yeah. Canadian Club. Woo! Go All us. right. Yay, so smart. Um, do you have any Canadian whiskeys that you want us to review? Email us at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com because we've not done any Canadian whiskeys yet. So. Yeah, uh... We were going to try to get one on the list, but then the Flaviar thing came in. So we're, we got three weeks now, four weeks. Yeah, Megan's showing the, uh, oh, oh. the, uh, container that the, the scotch came in. So I think that's a good time for us to get into this. <laughs> So, it has come to my attention <clears throat> that a good way of drinking scotch is to put a little bit of water in it. Yeah, a couple of water drops. Couple, it's supposed yeah. to release the flavor, right? Yeah. Um, I I don't want to do that with Wolfburn, um, <laughs> but I would like to try that with this one. Um. For me, as a presenter this week, it went downhill. It started middle of the road, maybe slightly above um, the the uh, charred, burnt flavor wasn't that overwhelming. But the longer I drank it and the more... I had to, when I got into presenting, the more I had to essentially shoot it. And scotch is not a shooting alcohol. Uh, the worse it tasted. 
So I I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt because I was presenting and I don't want to say my number yet because I'm interested to hear what Megan had to say has to say on it since she got to sip it. Okay. But I think I know where my number is. I think I know where my number is too. Um my impression of this scotch has stayed middle ground pretty much the entire time as I've sipped on it. I haven't been wowed by it and I haven't been disgusted by it either. Except I did just take a mini shot to see what you were talking about and that was not fun. And now I like have burn going all the way up like through my nose and everything. Which is very uncomfortable. So don't shoot scotch. That's gross. Um far as sipping on it it it's underwhelming um i prefer the really sweet and flavorful notes of whiskeys we've tried in the past this one's just bourbons yeah bourbons yeah <laughs> rise yep we we did like the rise um this is just it's whiskey with an air of cigarette ash and i can't i don't know maybe i'm just not gonna be a scotch person maybe they're all gonna have like that ashy taste to them that is gonna just turn me off from them but i'm willing to keep giving them a shot um but this one's sitting for me at a four low mid oof so i've i've definitely had some scotches where i didn't get the ashy taste um. Yeah, it's like you said, shooting. It's not pleasant. Um, unfortunately, that was my experience throughout yeah. this. Right. Um, so it it just kind of like I said, I kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But now hearing you, I was gonna say four and a half, but I think it's pretty. Oh, yeah, uh, I'll stick with my guns. I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there and say, because if I had to rate it just on what I did, it'd probably be closer to a three. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because I didn't get to sip on it. I would like to try it with a couple water droplets, see mm-hmm. how that affects it. Um, But yeah, I'm going to go with a four and a half. Okay. This is one that I'll take home. Um, and it just won't, for the bottle. Well, yeah, just for the bottle. <laughs> but it's not going to be the first whiskey I grab on D&D night. Um, I'll probably do like a finger of something I really love first. And when I'm feeling it, I'll grab this just to keep the feeling going. I don't think this is going to be a, a start for me. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I know you want to take this home just for the Game of Thrones aspect <laughs> of it. Um, I do kind of want it to stay here, uh, like just a little bit, just because I want to try it with the water. But okay. I'm not gonna keep it here. All right, you, you can I'll take it, it home for the Game of Thrones. I'm not gonna. I can't. I'll leave it here for a week, and next Sunday I'm gonna take it home. I can't. Oh. I'm, I'm on call for my job this week, so I can't oh. drink at all. That's going to make next week's episode. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be able to sniff 
and maybe take one teeny tiny little baby sip. But okay, uh, well, I will take it home and I will bring it back whenever you want. I'll make sure I don't drink it all yeah, like I drank. It's the fine. Just conviction. it's fine. We'll uh, if it if it gets gone, it gets gone. If not, I don't expect you're going to be chugging this one. I don't think so. Yeah, no. I think it'll take a while for it to get completely gone unless Houston decides he wants to get in there. And I don't think Houston's that big of a whiskey drinker. Uh no. Yeah. No, Houston's not a big drinker at all. Period. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, like I said, I don't have a problem if you want to take that one home. Okay. I'm I'm going to go take it home and just put it on display because the bottle. Did you get a picture of it? Yes. Okay. Um, You'll see that on our Instagram, at Whiskey Podcast. Mm, see what I did there? <laughs> um, So, I guess in conclusion, Megan gave it a four. I gave it a four and a half. Out of just out of benefit of the doubt, we'll uh, try it with a couple droplets of water, and hopefully that will change our flavoring on it. But for right now, just the char, yeah, little little overpowering for both of us. Yeah, I I think at this point I can say similarly to you that I'm not the biggest Scotch person in the world. We've only done two. Yeah. But so we can't really say that yet. I've I've had scotch. I've had several scotches before, and I haven't. Okay, found I have one not. That, yeah, I've had probably five or six others apart from the two that we've tried, and I have not found one yet that I've wanted to come back to. Okay. So, do you have a favorite scotch? Email us at contact <laughs> at whiskeyandwonder dot com. <laughs> I looked over when she said that, and I was like. I just said I haven't, <laughs> I haven't. Found I wasn't one talking to, to you. I, I was talking to them. I saw you were looking at the camera. And I was like, "Oh, not me." No, nope, not you. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, on that note, I guess we're gonna wrap things up here. Next week will be fun to try and do this while I'm on call. If I get a call in the middle of the show, we'll uh, well, we'll just take that one as it comes. Yep, we're gonna. Well, we're gonna, we we've, we think we've got a workaround and yep. a way to do this. So we're going to try to make sure we don't have to miss a week because of my stupid job. And yes, I said stupid job. If anybody, uh, never mind, I shouldn't put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note. I love my job, so. I love one of my jobs. Hey, well, all right. Technically, if you count this one, I have three. Okay, uh, then I'll, I love both of my jobs. I love two of my three. um on that note we got stickers three dollars we got uh glasses coming in shoot us an email if you want to pre-order and megan all right well that's it for us don't drink and drive cheers